recording on Zencaster. Check, check, check. Kyle, give me a check. Check, check. Matt, give me a check. Check, check. Word, word. All right. Ready to rock out? Yes, sir. All right, let's get it. All good, Matt? Yep. Just want, I had some pretzel dust in there. Wanted to get out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Three, two. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. As always, I'm your host, James Jackson, joined by my two guys, a residential statistician, Stat Matt Robinson. Dude, the teeth look great. I mean, I, I literally couldn't tell that you got wisdom teeth pulled last week. Again, just a sure trooper. And Kyle Sirik, all the way from Pittsburgh. I mean, dog, we're taking we're we're taking five steps backwards in this in this bedroom right now. Like it's, it's yeah. you were you like tried to have a little disclaimer before before I saw you. Like you were like, dude, it's gonna look bad when you see it. And it was I mean you did not yeah. undersell. It was the first thing I said when I came to the Zoom call. I mean, we're messy. My laptop's on my bed. That doesn't go there. But uh, I, I did my laundry today, and I haven't put it away yet, so I'm uh, attributed to that. You know, I, I, I completely understand that when you do laundry and don't put it away, like, just the fact of that laundry hamper sitting in the middle of the room, like, that just makes the room look so much worse. So, I mean, that, that's driving up the stats right now, but what we're overall, we've, our last three weeks haven't been good, Kyle. We, we, we need a bounce-back week at some point. But... I mean, a team that doesn't need a bounce-back week right now is the only unbeaten team in the NFL right now. That's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they're really both doing it on both sides of the ball. So here comes the fact straight at you. The run and pass games are both six best in the league in terms of their respective TDs. And then on the defensive side, they're one of only six teams in the NFL to have a positive expected points contributed by their defense. So here comes a question that has a real simple answer to it or are the Steelers legit contenders? Because at 7-0, like now we need to start diving into maybe why they should be, you know, seen as the team that's going to come out of the AFC this year. Yes. I think I think you have to call them like true contenders. After mm. what they did to Baltimore going on the road, winning that tight game, making Lamar look one of his worst games of his recent career. Remember, Lamar Jackson, before that game, had one career loss in the regular season that wasn't to the Chiefs. Yep. Like that's I a big and that's a big achievement doing that. Mm-hmm. And that play at the end by Mika Fitzpatrick to break up the pass. Beautiful. They're legit. And I I said one or two weeks ago, like I don't buy it even though the advanced stats like them. Well I'm starting to buy it now. Well, I mean, the knock before that Tennessee game, the knock was they hadn't played anyone. They had most of their wins against NFC East teams. Like, they they hadn't shown up. Then they go to Tennessee, albeit maybe they should have lost that game on the missed field goal. But they go to Tennessee, they win. Then Baltimore comes to town, they beat Baltimore. So those are the two quality wins that people said were not on their schedule before we talked about it, Without was still without a loss. And I think one of the most impressive things is they're doing it with, with offense, especially outside of Juju. Like when, when AB left, Juju stepped into that number one receiver role. And a lot of people thought it was going to be on him to have the offense be completely moving, especially now that you get a healthy Ben Roethlisberger after not having him for most of last season. But the burden, the burden hasn't been on Juju. Like, I mean, Juju has his moments, but they're doing it mostly outside of him. That's what's mad impressive to me. Yeah. I mean, well, just back to the original question real quick, like contenders. So two weeks ago, they beat a team, the Titans that were in the AFC championship last year. One down. This year, you beat the team with the best AFC regular season record last year, reigning MVP. Down. So who's left? The Chiefs? You don't have to beat the Chiefs to beat contenders, and we know they're worthy to play them right now. I mean, that they're to me, they're the second best team in the AFC right now. 
I don't think it's debatable. You're still putting the Chiefs ahead of them? Yes. Okay. I am too. Well, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. put a pin in that. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to we'll say about that. I wanted to say about Juju. Your point, James. The fact that they haven't had to force the ball to Juju has been a great thing for the entire so, offense. Yeah. He Juju has a seventy-eight percent catch percentage, which means seventy-eight percent of the targets he catches. That's unreal. He leads the team in targets and has that high of a catch percentage. He, the fact. He is so he stretches the field and can let Claypool get underneath. Eric Ebron's having another good season, another new team, and another good season for Eric Ebron. They're just they're so balanced offensively. And then James Conner just boom, he's doing four point five yards per carry. What you need from a running back? I mean, yeah. I mean, weapons all over the field, right? Chase Claypool, twenty three receptions, sixteen yards per reception, five TDs. 375 yards. Eric Ebron, you mentioned, 26 receptions, 263 yards, two TDs. Deontay Johnson, 25 receptions, 230 yards, three TDs. James Washington, 17 receptions, 185 yards, two TDs. Ben Roethlisberger is literally slinging it all over the yard to all these people and a bunch of weapons that people didn't see coming into this season. But yeah, him, and, him having. and back to Matt's point about Juju, um, like not dropping balls. Well, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't throw bad balls. He's has the least amount of bad throws in the entire league right now among quarterbacks. And when you have five different guys that you can throw to, and you know are going to catch the ball, and honestly, playmakers. We've seen Claypool be able to score a touchdown when they need it. Deontay Johnson, when you get him to the ball, you don't know what's going to happen. So if he can just get them the ball, and you got five guys that can do that, your offense isn't going to be stopped. No, it's it's so balanced. We had Matt Valdivinos on here last week from Pro Football Network talking about how good the Steelers are at not only finding late great receivers, but developing the young talent. We're seeing it with so many receivers on this team right now. But the run game has also been solid. And if you think of like Hallmark Steelers teams, like the greatest Steelers teams, by the way, this is tied for the the best start in franchise history at 7-0 if they win next week. They'll be they'll they'll have the best start in franchise history. They've never went eight and zero, and we're talking about a Steelers team that's one of the most historic franchises in in the NFL. Maybe not, maybe the most historic franchise in the NFL, and they've never started eight and zero. So I mean, it, it's they're off to just a, a torrid start. And when you think about those historically good Steelers teams, the run game was a part of that team. It was it was what drove their offense, and it hasn't been there for for these past couple of seasons. And it's there. James Conner, top ten and yards and TDs, and then Betty Snell comes in as a great second running back, also has two TDs, and is putting the Steelers sixth in total rushing TDs this season as a team. So there, there goes your, your rushing game. That's what's aided Steelers teams in the past. When you're combining that with a, a great receiving core and what we'll get to as maybe the number one defense in the league, it's a, that just spells contender all across the board. That's what we have yeah. right now in Pittsburgh. And I don't understand why people want to say that their run game is not there for the Steelers. I've heard a lot of things like James Conner is not a number one over the past two years. Well, if you want to figure out why he is, watch this weekend. Because you said they've never started 8-0. They're going to start 8-0. They play Dallas. Mm. Ben DiNucci's playing quarterback. James Conner might have two touchdowns and 150 rushing guards. I mean, it's it's, it's there. I might take the over on that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and it might be all Steelers. Like, I mean, it's just... Their run game is there, and they don't have to rely on it like we just talked about, but they can get it done. I mean, James Conner, I think yards for carry right now is almost five, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous for a starting running back. 
I mean, I think James Conner was dealing with the past couple of seasons since his rookie season. He had that that breakout start of his rookie season kind of tapered off at the end. Last year, didn't have what we thought was going to be a James Conner type season. Injuries played a factor to it. But also, I mean, you were dealing with a bunch of backup and second string, third string quarterbacks last year. No one's afraid the Steelers are going to pass the ball. Like, no one's afraid the Steelers are going to throw. Packing the box and James Conner was seeing seven, eight bodies on the box and it hurt his numbers last year. Now what we look at with the Steelers team is you cannot ignore the the pass attack anymore. And it was pivotal that Ben Roethlisberger came back, but he came back in such good spirits that, I mean, he has such a good receiving core right now. And you look across the league or you look across this Steelers team and what was supposed to be a number one receiver, a bona fide number one in Juju, like on paper, it's, it's still the number one target. There's no arguing with that. But you put his production in terms of everybody else's production and He's not head and shoulders above the rest of, his re- rest of his receiver room, and that's paying dividends. And remember, Roethlisberger is a guy that a lot of people thought might retire after his injury mm-hmm. last year. And he said, screw that, I'm coming back, and he might get a ring because of it. Well, it's funny because he's, after what, week one or two, they had a primetime game. I'm watching a post-game interview with Aaron, or with Ben Roethlisberger, and they asked him, like, what made you come back? You, you said you might retire at the end of last year. And he said he went into the locker room and he looked at everybody. He said, I came back for you guys looking at his team and talking to his team. I came back because, you know, this is one of the best defenses I've ever played with or I've ever seen. That's that's an absolutely monumental statement for Ben Roethlisberger to make. Um, Especially being, so many, there's a lot of really good Steelers defenses he's seen. Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. He's been a part of some of the best. And then also saying on the offensive end, we have so many weapons. This is one of the most skilled, you know, position groups talking about the receiver position that I've ever played with. Again, a monumental statement for Ben Roethlisberger to make. And what he's saying, and I'm like, that's cap. Like, there's like, there's no way that this is the best defense he's seen and these are the best receivers he's seen. There's no way. He's kind of just saying that for TV. Maybe he's feeling good because they won their first two games. They, you know, it was a, blood, a good win against the Eagles, whatever. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not really buying into it, Big Ben. Here we are five weeks later or six weeks later because of their canceled game. And, he hasn't hasn't looked wrong yet. Like it still looks right. I think I think the wide receiver is a bit of a stretch. He did play with Heinz Ward, Darius Hayward Bay. I mean, on the same team. But the defense, I think, is without question. I mean, this is an amazing team. The Joe Hayden pickup last year was great. I know they had yeah. Devin Bush. He's now out with injury, but you have other no, guys the like Minka pickup. The yeah. Minka, Minka pickup. pickup's huge. You have TJ Watt. You have Bud Dupree, who might not be a Steeler for too long because he needs to get paid. But he's right, a dog. I mean. Good. Their team on the defensive side of the ball, I wouldn't argue with Ben Roethlisberger's statement. All right, all right. Well, let's let's put their defense into perspective right now because I mean we know it's an offensive-driven league, but if you ask me, good running game, good defense still wins you championships, and at least it still gets you there. The Steelers possess both, but let's talk about the latter, and that's their defense, which a lot of people would peg as the number one defense in the league. May not be number one in, in statistics across the board, but if I'm taking a defense this season, I'm taking the Steelers' defense. Fair. Yeah, I mean, they shut down the passing game. They're the third best in terms of passing yards allowed. They have the second most interceptions in the league at 10. And they get to the quarterback, which is interesting because you could shut down the passing game. It was like, oh, your secondary is great. Well, they have the most sacks in the league. They have the highest blitz percentage in the league. And they have the most QB hurries. So it's a, I think it's a mixture of both there that you have Joe Hayden. You have Minka back there, right? But they're only giving the quarterback about two seconds to throw. And it's not going to work out for you as an offense if that's the case. And those are hawks back there. You you give an opposing quarterback only a couple seconds to throw. It's it's going in the hands of someone in the black and gold uh, at some point. But like, 
Is this the best defense in the league? Matt, is this the best defense in the league? Yes, it is the best defense in the league. Everything we've seen after... I know Lamar hasn't had the best year, but after what, seeing what they did, I watched basically all of that Steelers-Ravens game, and Lamar looked confused and lost mm-hmm. a lot. Like, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. And that's, that when you do that to the reigning MVP, that really stands out. Right. And I think what's, what's aided and them... And again... Or- Right, right. You the they're second in defensive DVOA behind uh, Tampa, but Daniel Jones went like eighty yards, got a fourth and sixteen, and almost came back. Was to, yeah, against so, so I like I I good job winning the game, Bucks. You're it's all very like it's a you're not whatever. He right. wins a win in the football league, but. Steelers defense wouldn't do that to Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because I gave the Eagles a whole bunch of shit for barely eking out a win against the Giants, and then we go and barely eke out a win against the Giants. So it, it, it definitely did leave a good taste in my mouth. But let's move on to the second part of why we want to talk about the Steelers. I think it's one thing to talk about them as contenders, and it's another thing to talk about are they good enough to knock off the reigning Super Bowl champions and really come out and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? Like, are, are they good enough to beat the Chiefs, that that's my 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 answer at the end of at the end of eight weeks at the end of seven games is is yes. Will they? Is is I guess a different story. But are they capable of doing it? Is it a stretch to say that they could knock off the off the Chiefs? I don't think so. But I I, I would I would put a bet on that they could that they would. I definitely think they could. Um, I I it's just I love I just I can't not pick against Mahomes. Like I have to pick Mahomes. Anytime he's available to pick, <laughs> yeah. I but think, like, it wouldn't shock me at all if Pittsburgh beat Kansas City in the postseason. Yeah, I think they're definitely contender to beat the Chiefs. I mean, and if I'm not wrong, when we broke down our divisions two or three weeks ago, and we mm-hmm. broke down the AFC North, we were having this conversation with the Steelers about the Ravens, and yeah. they did it. We were kind of giving the Steelers the they backseat, like they're the number two. Maybe they can beat the Ravens. I mean, well, now they're solidified number one in that division, at least currently. And the thing for me that why they could beat them is. They don't play any like gimmick type of things. It's not like the Ravens, like, oh, you have the Russian quarterback and he can get you a whole game by himself. It's not you have this star wide receiver. They're so solid around the ball. It's that it's that high school team that can just come in and they know they're gonna outplay you because they're just better than you. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen with the Chiefs, obviously, but that style of football I think can work against the Chiefs because there is no real holes there. And if you come out and you play well for 60 minutes, mm-hmm. then yeah, this team can beat them. They've shown they could. I don't see any reason why they couldn't. Well, it's not run and gun, and it's sustainable. And I think yeah. you got you got two poised veterans running this ship right now, and Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. So it's not herky jerky. You're right, Kyle. Like it's not it's not run and gun. It's not hectic. It's not gimmick. Like you're gonna get just a steady diet of what the Steelers have been doing all season, no matter who's on the other side of the ball. Now they do have to go to Baltimore and play the Ravens again. You know, I think in three weeks. Like it's not long. Like, they have to go and play the Ravens again. If they lose to the Ravens, are we changing this narrative? Like, is this, is this, are they now not fit to beat the Chiefs or do they have to do it twice? I think it's, in a, order to it's a three, it's a three team race in the AFC. The Titans, after what happened in Cincinnati, it's like, whoa. Yeah, they They're, might have fallen they, off. They might have fallen yeah, off. Yeah, so it, it's those three teams. And in the last six games where Tomlin and Reed have coached against each other, Mike Tomlin is five and one. Knows, knows, how to be, knows how to be Andy Reid. 
Yeah. Eddie Reed, I mean, I, I wonder how many games Eddie Reed has been in, in red and not in green. No, but... that was only one Eagles game there. Oh, but but the one the one win for Reed is when he had Pat Mahomes. So <laughs> game changer. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason we're asking this question, right? Is game changer is Pat Mahomes, and I think Pat Mahomes is getting a little bit of like I I, I won the Super Bowl. I know what it takes. So going all out in the regular season, just it, I don't I just don't think it's in his nature anymore. Like we're still gonna get. I mean, they played the Jets this past weekend, so it, it, anything that they put up crazy like statistically I, I know is against the new york jets but we might be we might be done seeing the astronomical numbers in the regular season from pat mahomes at least on a regular basis that we're used to he won a super bowl he knows that like the, doing all that in the regular season is is not what i'm aiming for it might look cute in headlines but that's not what we're aiming for mahomes is on pace to throw 42 touchdowns and two picks <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I see what like, you're trying to say. At this point, it's just Mahomes-esque. At this yeah. point, it's just Mahomes-esque. Like, is that... But, Matt, to your you point... You like, won't that... crack 5,000 yards, though, so is it really that okay, good? Okay, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's astronomical? Like, that's Mahomes. 42 touchdowns is kind of what I'm, is what I'm expecting. Yeah, no, I fully understand your point here. I mean, Mahomes threw what, 200 yards, two touchdowns, and blew out the Jets or something, no, or maybe no, he threw 400 was, yards, five week touchdowns. Before yeah, then. Was like I'm, I'm talking about the week before then, the Dolphins game. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, not yeah, the Jets. Yeah, but I mean. The thing about this is that Mahomes isn't going to have that safety net that he had last year where he can be down 24 nothing against the Texans to come not, back. Not the Steelers, yep. Not the you Steelers. can't do that with the Steelers. And he's not going to get a team in the AFC Championship like the Titans that Derrick Henry needs to run for 200 yards because you know Mahomes is going to put up 30-something points on the other side. I mean, you don't get that with the Steelers. you got to be playing for 60 minutes straight, and we know how this team is with turnovers. We know how they score on offense. It, it's it's probably going to be a tight game, and I'll take and again, any team to win. the one – time it almost came back to bite him was when they took a deficit was in the Super Bowl against probably the best defense in football last year and the difference is but the difference is Ben Roethlisberger hits that throw to Juju instead of Jimmy G overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders Mm -hmm. every single time and I think a lot of a lot of what you argue when it comes to you know can this team beat the Chiefs you talk about their offense like can their offense keep up with them can can they put up the amount of points that Patrick Mahomes is going to put up. Um, and it was really only when you were talking about the Super Bowl, the 49ers, where you talked about a team that maybe could stop them on the defensive end. But I think, to your point, Kyle, it's exactly what the Steelers do. Like, the Steelers, yes, have the offense that are, is going to be able to put up points and keep up with the Chiefs at some point. But I think their defense is going to do what, a, what many defenses can't and control the Chiefs at some point in offense and maybe even get the ball back to them. I mean, the Steelers' defense have the best defensive time of possession in the league. So getting them off the field, getting their offense back on, and more importantly, getting the Chiefs' offense off the field. Like, I know this is this is more hypothetical and theoretical than breaking down an actual game that is more than half a season away. But if, if this is what we're anticipating, are they, are they contenders? Are they to beat the Chiefs in the playoffs? That's exactly what it's going to take. You have to do things that other teams have not done against the Chiefs, get Pat Mahomes off the field. Don't let him come back on the field. So get him off the field with good defense. And then on the other side, have a sustainable offense, a sustainable running game, a poised offense to keep him over there. And I, I think that's that's what we're going to do. So Steelers are making a believer out of me. They're, I guess they're they're contenders for real, huh? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about that sustainability on offense either. I mean, they just held up with the Ravens all game, who I think is a top five defense in the league. And I know they don't have the KC offense uh, necessarily, but 
Baltimore had a decent offensive day. I know it wasn't Lamar Jackson's day, but J.K. Dobbins ran for like 120 yards. I mean, they were moving the ball, and the Steelers were able to keep up. So I think in a Chiefs game, they'll be able to do the same thing against a probably worse defense. Probably comparable, though. The only, the only thing I worry, and I guess I don't want to say worry, it's not like I have a dog in this fight, but the only thing that is a wrinkle to me that the, the Steelers just can't figure out or, or may not be able to figure out is just how, how dynamic that Chiefs offense is, man. Like, they throw different looks and, and, and different plays at every team. And they're going to be knowing that the Steelers are coming in with, at the time, you know, especially if they get there, probably the number one defense in the league. Not something they haven't faced. They faced the Ravens last year and this year. They faced the 49ers in the Super Bowl. They played They played the best defenses in the league with this regime, with this core. So they know how to do it. And like just when you're expecting something, just when you're, you, you think you have Pat Mahomes in this lane, then they throw something out like this little this little tight end shovel pass that they love doing to Travis Kelsey that I've literally not ever seen not work. I've never seen them do it where it goes for negative yardage or get stopped at the line of scrimmage. Like they just do so many things and throw so many different looks and wrinkles at you that it just throws the defense completely off. Yeah, I think I've been I've been giving the Steelers a lot of credit in terms of the Chiefs here. But one thing I would be worried about as a Steelers fan in that game when it happens is I trust KC if they're behind. You just yeah. talked about how dynamic is. If the Steelers fall in the early fourth, first quarter, first half, 10 nothing deficit, it could be very hard for them to come back in that type of game where I wouldn't see it the same way if it was the Steelers up 10 nothing on the Chiefs. But on the other side of the coin, if the Steelers go up 10, 15 points in that game, I trust them more than, you know, a Texans defense who had a 20-point lead or maybe even last year's Niners defense that had a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, it's it just, it looks different to me. It looks like they, like if they if the Steelers got up, that lead doesn't evaporate at, at some point. Or if it does, I trust the offense to then go back out and you know at, at, at least not at least answer some of these points. Like we're not we're not going 40, 40, wanna... 40 something not unanswered like they did in the playoffs against the Texans. Yeah. Come yeah, on. I want to give a shout out to the Steelers in a non-sports way. It came out that Pittsburgh Steelers players are buying dinners for the people counting ballots in Allegheny County, PA. To help them out so shout out on the field and off the field for the pittsburgh steelers activism we love it uh contrary to popular belief there is no voter suppression in pa that's a that's a i don't want that's a huge lie there definitely has been voter suppression in pa but shout out to the steelers so uh question real quick is this a surprise that the steelers are seven and oh yes best team in the league it's a surprise is yeah. it a surprise you Kyle? I think the seven and zero is surprising to me, but the six and one wouldn't be just because how early their schedule or how easy their schedule was early. I'm not surprised that they're at the top of the AFC in terms of like top three. I'm surprised they're the number one team in the AFC. Okay, fair point. So if this is a surprise, Matt, let's go around the league and talk about the other surprises that we've seen through eight weeks because we know it was going to be a topsy turvy season, but a topsy turvy world in 2020, and a lot of things are hitting us when we're not expecting. So, Matt, you'll go first. What's been the most surprising thing or one of the most surprising things to you this NFL season? I got to have a big humble pie to eat about Justin Uh-oh. Herbert. But during In the draft talk leading up, I said he screams Mitch Trubisky. I, 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 when he was picked by the Chargers at number four, I thought, like, I'd take even, like, Jalen Hurts over him. That was before the Eagles took him. Right. And, like, and he has absolutely played fantastic. And remember, he wasn't supposed to be playing. Tyrod Taylor, they accidentally 
put a needle and punctured his lung when he was getting Tyrod, <laughs> get the lawyers, Tyrod. <laughs> get the lawyers, dog. Um, I'm sorry, I have to say that every time. Yeah. And since then, mediocre first couple games, 94-88 pass rating. But since then, he has been on a tear. 137-122-111.3 and 89 last week. But he, that throw to Mike Williams in the end zone was Beautiful. unbelievable. And catch by Mike Williams. He is he is exciting to watch. He is electrifying, and he's going to be a stud for years to come. What? Why? Why is this surprising the entire league? Why? Why was everybody writing Justin Herbert, including myself? Like, why? Why was everybody writing it off? Was it? Was it? Was it the Pac-12 syndrome? Like he played, he played in the Pac-12. No one saw him play really in college. Games are coming on at ten thirty at night. No one wants to watch that. Like. He's, is that what it was? I think it's the way, like, okay, so we knew Burrow was going one, right? And the next conversation was Tua or Herbert. And there wasn't really a fourth guy in that conversation. I mean, Jordan Love was outside of it. Hurts was outside of it. And I think it was just everyone wrote him off. Everyone, every single talk. I remember on this podcast, it was the first show I did here, actually. I wasn't on the show, but I did the, uh, the research and stuff for it. And all of you guys said Tua. And everyone on ESPN said Tua. And I think that he just didn't get the respect he wanted. And I don't think people really thought he was a bum but they just didn't expect any of this they thought he was like a two I, I thought three he year was project. a bum I, gotta, I, gotta. I didn't think he was a bum I just didn't think he was I just didn't think he was this now he got like the benefit it. of things that both Burrow and um and Tua didn't have the luxury of of since you fall you get picked up by a better team like the Chargers not the greatest team in the league but they're better than the Dolphins and the Bengals so like it's not he, he got the benefit of one going to a good team who has an established receiving core like a lot of a lot of teams would love Keenan Allen and Mike Williams you know as as their as their top two targets to throw to and when healthy like that Chargers defense is amazing like this is a Chargers defense that was supposed to have Derwin James and Melvin Ingram and, and are playing without both of them right now so yeah. I, I and I think if he has that I mean imagine if if the Chargers weren't so Chargers-esque right they have like what four double digit blown leads this season in a row they blew 17 point lead 17 point lead 16 point lead but they wound up winning and then another 17 point lead that's yeah. three that's three wins that they should have on top on top of their record and imagine if we're saying falcons west say it again falcons west the falcons west the fal- <laughs> <laughs> he said the california falcons but i, I mean seriously I'm not gonna lie. I was a Herbert believer. I like the Tua talks. I I always actually was like I liked Herbert over Tua. I was a little concerned about Tua's injuries going in, and I don't think that's concerning anymore. But to Herbert's respect, he's playing the way like right now. Currently, he's playing how I expected in like a year or two from now. He's instantly coming to the league, and I agree with what Matt said that he's going to be a stud for years to come. I mean, he's perfect size. He's mobile. He throws good balls. I mean, there's not much more you want out of a quarterback. And a year that hasn't in a year that much hasn't gone right for Anthony Lynn, he got that one right. That was that was his buying to go and get Justin Herbert, and he looks really good for it right now. Kyle, most surprising thing to happen to you, that you've seen through seven weeks or through eight weeks? For me, it's it's how bad the Houston Texans have been. I know you traded away DeAndre Hopkins, but they're one in six. And a lot of people say, all right, sure, they've played Green Bay, they've played the Chiefs, they've played the Ravens, they've played the Steelers. That's great. But they haven't been in any of those games besides the first half of the Pittsburgh game. What'd you expect for them? Who are you doing the door to? This is a team that won their division last year. They went 10-6. and They were in a division with the Titans who made the AFC Championship, and I know a lot of people 
weren't too high on the Titans even when they were there. But they're still a good team. I mean, a team that won their division to be one in six through week eight is ridiculous to me. And I've never seen one player, especially not a quarterback, get traded from or leave a team and it be this monumental. This is like stuff that happens in the NBA. This doesn't happen in the NFL. You have a 52-man roster. There is a next man up, always, always. I know you're not going to get another DeAndre Hopkins, but you're telling me he's the difference between 1-6 and six and 10-6? and six? I mean, they have to win nine more games straight to get where they were last year, and all you lost was DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's been embarrassing to me. It's, it's to me, one of those things that, <laughs> one of those decisions that was made that the football gods just need to punish you for. They just absolutely need to punish you for it. Once you start your season with that, and it, it, it's more than X's and O's that cost you when, when you have that kind of trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Like, if, if I'm in the locker room and I see my head coach and GM trade DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of Skittles, then I understand, you know, then, then I know that, that he's not doing what's in the best interest of the entire football team right now. That that's a That's a personal move. And he even said that, he didn't like the way DeAndre Hopkins like carried himself sometimes, the people who he was around. Like he he made these personal attacks against DeAndre Hopkins. You lose a locker room when you do something stupid like that. Like you completely demoralizes a team. And like now I, I just feel really bad for DeAndre Hopkins. He's like locked into a situation that really doesn't look like it's got a whole lot of upside. Yeah, I, I mean I, I think they'll be all right, but the, the thing to me is their defense was supposed to be good. We're talking about losing the guy on offense, but their defense was supposed to be great, the Texans. And now it's 30, 31st in the league in terms of rushing defense, like 28th in terms of passing defense. I mean, they are ridiculously bad for a team that won their division last year. This fall off has been insane to me, and it's such a big surprise. Is it reset button time? Probably. I mean, I mean you just I got rid of your... your coaching GM. So yeah, I, that, I guess that restart's already starting it's to tough happen. Tough to reset when you don't have draft picks. Yeah, like I keep forgetting that. See, no, Kyle. Like, no, that's like that's. You they treated DeAndre the Hopkins and didn't even get a first round pick and in compensation. It was a horrible trade. I remember when we talked about it, but I mean, I, I think that they should still be way better. Not way better. Not way better. I get, okay. they, I get maybe one, like the severity of how bad they are might be shocking, but the fact that they're bad doesn't shock me. They're like one of the four worst teams in the league and the Jets and Giants play in the same league they do. I mean, it's ridiculous to me. <laughs> I mean, shout out, shout out to Jacob Martin. I, I believe it was episode like 51 or 52. He came on uh, linebacker uh, for the Houston Texans, came on and, and told kind of his day by or his day breakdown of when he found out about the, the DeAndre Hopkins news. And credit to him because, like, I-, I could tell that there was a bunch of stuff that he wanted to say up in his head that he didn't. Yeah. And he wanted to stay respectful of his then coach, Bill O'Brien. But I like that's something that, like, he said it. He said that his friend told him, like, "Hey, you guys traded D Hop," but he's like, "Stop playing with me. Stop playing with me." Like, so, like you're, you're joking. Like that. There, there. That doesn't make sense. There's no reason why we would do that. And you, that's something a, a team doesn't recover from, not without reparations or an explanation. Not when Bill O'Brien just like because I because I wanted to. That's why. to enhance Kyle's point about it being shocking. Chiefs Texans was the opener of the season. That means the NFL expected it to be like a title weight, oh, like yeah. a big heavyweight, heavyweight battle fight. to start yep. the season against the Super Bowl champs. And the Texans have just collapsed in every way possible. It's it's sad. So 
Kyle, I, I get you. It's a little surprising that they're one in six. It doesn't surprise me that the Texans took steps backwards because it's what happens when you make a trade like that. You take steps backwards. Speaking of taking steps backwards, this is my shocking thing that I've seen through eight weeks. And that is the jumpstart of Justin Jefferson's rookie season at the simultaneous collapse of what is Kirk Cousins' season right now. Like the fact that I'm seeing one, like they're, they're directly opposing each other. I'm seeing one go up and one go down. And it, it's, we talked about this offer right before we came on. Like I'm expecting to go and look at Kirk Cousins' season statistics and just see uh, just abysmal numbers. Just see something that makes me want to throw up. And yo, it's not that bad. I mean, he's, he's completing 65% of his passes, has over 1,600 yards passing, 12 TDs. Those 10 interceptions, especially, you know, how they play out in the games are really bad. Like second, second most interceptions in the league, but has a 91.9 passer rating. Like the, the numbers for Kirk Cousins aren't, aren't terrible just on paper. Now the simple stats are, I'm sure the advanced stats aren't, aren't too kind to Kirk Cousins why he's bad, but Rarely do you see a rookie season go so well for a wide receiver when his quarterback is having such a bad season. That's what's surprising to me is that yeah. Justin Jefferson is still the, one of the highest graded rookies through through eight weeks in the NFL. Yeah, and I think it actually is hurting him a little bit, Kirk Cousins as his quarterback, because um, we've had Jeff, we've seen Jefferson have three really good games, and then we've seen him have like three games under fifty yards. But the difference here is, I think when you talk about Kirk Cousins stats. Justin Jefferson is the one elevating them. But when you talk about Justin Jefferson's stats, it's Kirk Cousins bringing them down. I mean, right. he doesn't have those three bad games without Kirk Cousins. He wasn't even getting, like, good targets. And then you, like, for the first point, like, Justin Jefferson caught a 60-yard touchdown, but it was, like, a 20-yard pass from Kirk Cousins, and he juked two he guys. Yeah, I'm really impressed with Justin Jefferson. He's my favorite rookie receiver in terms of how well he's playing currently. I know Claypool's up there, but... I, I think with a better quarterback, this kid's a stud, and he's going to be a stud in a couple of years. So, like, Matt, this is what you said to me right before we went on air when I was talking about it. You're like, that's Kirk Cousins. You're like, that, that's what that's what, what this is. So should I not be so shocked? I, and that's the thing. I'm not so shocked that Kirk Cousins has mediocre numbers and is turning in a less than stellar season. Like, he's one of those quarterbacks that, like, when it looks really good, like, oh, shit, you got Captain Kirk. You got... Maybe leading the Vikings to a, a NFC North division title, and then when it's bad, you got Kirk. Like you, you got you got. It, it looks really bad, so I, I'm not that shocked. But like, th that's just Kirk Cousins in a vacuum, right? Like these these numbers just scream. Yeah, that's a Kirk Cousins season. Yeah, you you can never trust Kirk Cousins because all of his best numbers are basically the product of having great weapons around him. Like he had good, he had Pierre Garcon and Jordan Reed in Washington, and then he had Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Then you swap out Diggs for Je Jefferson, but it just it's a collapsing season for him. Yeah, it's it's bad. So I'm I'm shocked for it. It was one of the Vikings are one of those teams that uh, coming into the season, I'm I'm not sure. Ever since they went to the NFC Championship game, it's been a not sure for me. It could go one of two ways. They could have. A really good season to be really competitive or they could have what we're seeing right now and be a one two win team um a, a big shocking win against the packers I'll, I'll give them credit for that but outside of that it's been and you'd think like having win. someone playing like dalvin cook is playing out of his mind and like you'd think that would help the passing offense with cousins 
to not turn the ball over to have and you just you can't stop. That's so bad. Like that's so bad when you waste like such a tremendous season by Dowling. Someone coming off an injury, like and, and you're wasting him coming back off an injury and lighting the league on fire. Like that's and we're talking about a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of people who are in jeopardy of losing their job. We're talking about Cam Newton up in New England where he keeps having these kind of games. He's going to be out of a job. Is that I know the Vikings just re-signed Kirk Cousins, and they might be really regretting that right now. But if he keeps playing like this, is Cook out of a job? Like, are they looking elsewhere in in Minnesota? I think they should, but they won't. I think because we talked about those weapons, like you have Jefferson, you have Thielen, you have Cook. As long as Kirk Cousins plays a little competent, your offense is going to look decent and look good enough. And they did just pay him, but I don't think this is the year they'd kick him out of a job. Maybe next year. I mean, how many how many times do you want to see just painful? his contract wasn't that long? I think he has two more years after one or two. It was two an extension. Old. It was an extension that he signed, though, right? It wasn't a, it wasn't a completely new contract. I we have we, we have our live fact checker uh, Matt Robinson on the scene right now, so we we will stand by and and award you that those those statistics in a minute. But I mean, it, it's. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 I guess they got to be regretting it. Whether it's an extension or it's, uh, you know, a straight new deal, it was a, it was a, it was a good chunk of change. It was a bag for Kirk. So do they you think be, it's, do you oh, think it's yeah, time for another move yeah. on? They're actually, oh, it's getting, it's bad. It's bad, right? Oh, Talk this year they're only paying him nine and a half million. And that's so it's, ba- it's backloaded. Then yeah. it's 21 mil and then it's Uh-oh. 35 mil. Uh oh. And if they cut him, it's a dead cap hit. If they cut him next season, it's a dead cap hit of 41 mil. So you, you can't touch him. Can't. Yeah. After, yeah, 2022, it's still 10 mil cap hit. But geez. Just like we a Kirk, well, are we adding Kirk to the all finesse team? That's like all finesse worthy. We'll like see. He, he just signed it. We'll see. We'll see how the contract plays out. But like. He's sitting pretty like they can't, they can bench me, but they can't cut me. Like they can bench me, but I'm still here. Or if they do, like run me my, tell them to bring me my money if they do. So look, if Kirk turns in a bad second half of the season and he gets benched and he's not playing where they do have to cut him and he gets all this bag, I'm putting him on the, on the all finesse team. That's, that's fair. That's Sammy you- Sleeves, Mellow for the Hawks worthy type finesse. The question you asked me though, do you think he is, gonna get like is he up for a hot seat i think he is because when you have a rookie in justin jefferson that's coming in and lighting you know i won't say lighting the league on fire but it's having such a good rookie season that he is you have dalvin cook who's come back and he is lighting the league on fire one, one of the top rushers in the league both in terms of yards and touchdowns and just production is just through the roof when you have all of that you were supposed to be a very competitive team and you're the uh, you're the exact opposite of that. You are you are so bad. And yes, they're dealing with a, a whole new cornerback group. Xavier Rhodes isn't there anymore, so they're, they're dealing with you know a, a new face there. But it's the the main reason has been the bad play of Kirk Cousins. And when it's it's so weighted on your quarterback, supposed to be a veteran quarterback, a quarterback that you put a whole lot of stake into, then I mean. It, I don't imagine too many quarterbacks that turn in this performance, what he's doing with the people who's come back around him and they, and they continue to keep a job. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. It'd be tough. Um, I could see him surviving it, but you know, it, it might be, it might be time to move on. 
speaking of moving on, first of all, I'm surprised that none of our biggest surprises had anything to do with the NFC East. Not the Cowboys, not the Eagles, not, I mean, it just had nothing to do with it. Maybe we're just used to it. Like, the, maybe the bad NFC East didn't shock us. Or, like, are we just tired of talking about the NFC East at this point? There's, tired. Yes, I, we're tired. There's, there's, there, it's, it's. I don't get tired of talking about the NFC East because when I talk about the NFC East, y'all are the first person, first ones I go after. Matt is I never tired. thought Matt, I, you I, are tired. I never <laughs> thought I could watch the Eagles beat my most hated team, the Cowboys, in primetime football, and be after the game just like being numb. Like I wasn't like. I was, just, I, I was like, what did I watch? What is what? Like, honestly, stuff. honestly, I'm a, I love the fucking Eagles so much. You see the shit behind me. Mm-hmm. If tomorrow Roger Goodell said we're abolishing the NFC East playoff spot unless they can have a winning record, I'd be like, I'm fine with it. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> because do you really want to watch your team win the NFC East and get thumped by whoever in the playoffs? Like, is that really? What yes. No, no. You forget. There's the in, yes. every, in every sports fan. There's the idiotic part that says, "Well, maybe you go on a run." <laughs> <laughs> Y'all talks really loud because the, that confirming yes by Kyle tells me how loud it is in Eagles fans' head. Like, you're like, "Yes, I well, do." Like that. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Matt just took a shot at what like the part of my brain that he's talking about yeah, I, I see the same thing dude i mean it's early i think they go four four and one and who knows they turn it around i mean that's every philly nah, that does it. It's that ugly. does it that does it until the end of the season until the nfc east gets some act right i'm issuing a decree we will not talk about the nfc east on this podcast until it gets an act right i'm not giving it shine and to feed whatever delusion y'all got in your head that the eagles go four four and one and turn this season around so until, until- that I already got a stat to justify it. Both teams that have made the playoffs with a losing record won their first playoff game. Yeah, but but they weren't this. It wasn't this bad. It wasn't this bad. The last time was the Seahawks, but they were seven and nine. The Panthers seven eight and one. They got the tie there too. One, I got the tie, but that's one game under five hundred. They also got to play Ryan Lindley in the playoffs. All right, so we don't have back to the rule. So we don't talk about them. Until there's a winning team in the division. Until there's a winning team in the division. That that like right. that is that is my rule. Until Can't wait to talk about the birds in three weeks. God, Kyle, just tell us what happened this past week with sports. Please move on. All right, we can move on. So, um, more Philly news. So we found out yesterday from Shams that the Philadelphia 76ers are expected to be interested and pursue James Harden. I think there's only one person to thank for this. Obviously, it's the newly acquired president of the basketball operations, Daryl Morey. Personally, I don't see any reasons for the Rockets to do this, but let's get into it. What are we thinking about it? Go ahead, Matt. I think it's Maury really could have pulled the all-time finesse by like knowing he's going to get the Sixers job and like trading Harden for scraps and right. then <laughs> getting fired for it and getting out of the Sixers. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I think Maury is he's shooting a shot. Yeah. Like the, the Rockets championship window in my opinion it's closed i know like all their ownership probably doesn't want to admit that but there's a lot of uh nothing publicly said out loud but a lot of rumblings about daryl morey was mad that the owner's cheap and stuff so if there's owner's cheap he's got a big contract for harden a big contract for westbrook and if he doesn't think he's a title 
maybe he says, screw it. I want to rebuild with a 24 year old young stud and Ben Simmons. And that was my question. I do the trade. I don't, you don't, you don't, I don't see without the, giving up one of them. And who is I don't it? see the package happening for a Ben Simmons. I see the trade more looking like a OKC mm-hmm. trading away Paul George and getting a lot of picks. And then maybe a young guy like Shy Gilgis. I think yeah, that's but what ben I think. Ben is the, the young for. guy at 24, and he's yeah, but, already a two time All Star. Yeah, but he's, he's all two time All Star, though. That's the thing. I, I see the package with more look like. I think it a could be picks. straight up. I really think it could be straight up. It could be a I don't win win for both no, 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 I don't no, think no, the Sixers no. do it. I wouldn't I don't do think, that if I'm the Sixers. And, and what are you going to do? I pair would. Russ pair Russ with Ben Simmons now? Well, you got to get rid of the Russ contract somehow. That's another. They don't got Daryl Morey. I think. So, what happened with the. um? The OKC trade. They give up Shy Gilgis and Danilo Gallinari, right? And then a bunch of picks. Yeah. So Gallinari came in with a big contract. All right. There, there's your Horford. You give him a young guy. You give him a bunch of picks. They want to rebuild. Great. Horford's contract. They're not giving up Harden for that, though. Harden is Why not? so... Paul George Harden... was coming off a, a number three in MVP vote year. He was having a great year. Yeah, but Harden has won the MVP, should have won it twice, has finished second like five times. And he's the one of the. I'm gonna say it. One of the five best scorers in NBA history. I put him. I put him sure. down for that. But but we look at like OKC, and we've called that a great trade, right? That was they destroyed him. You gave up Paul George, fine, and they had basically the same year. Got knocked out round one. Well, great. We have five more picks under our belt. I mean, I, I see them if they really want to rebuild. They have a new coach coming in, different management. Yeah, they would Hart, do it. James Harden's a top 35 player ever. Paul George maybe is top 100 like it's a big difference sure i agree but i don't i don't think the sixers even do that trade then i Simmons would do it straight up and i love ben joel and beats health is unknown he's 26 years old harden's got at least three prime years left i think harden and beads a great fit and you immediately become the second best duo in the nba only behind lebron and ad and, and look, you get I- three years of unbelievable contention from the gate and I think it's worth I, I think it's worth I it. do agree that and I think you're thinking from a Sixers mind, like point of view because you just said why I think you want Ben Simmons to go instead of Embiid is that Harden and no, Embiid I'm not giving, no, no 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 Embiid Simmons and Harden don't mesh that's what I, I'm saying yeah. so you're thinking about yeah. this from a Sixers point of view of what you if which of one should go or would go that you definitely would want Ben Simmons to go because I agree that I mean that that James Harden Joel and B pick and roll at the top of the key where now you have dri- Harden driving to the lane and B rolling and now it's either a Harden finish or a lob it's it's almost insert and B where Capella was but and B could score on the ball way better than Capella ever could so I, I, it would be amazing in Philadelphia and you still got to surround him with the shooters because you know Harden's the, the best driving kick guy in the league right now so he's got to be able to kick it out to someone who can shoot from the perimeter. Um, but either way, if whatever trade goes down, I just I'm not surprised to see Daryl Morey coming in and starting to stir the pot to see what's gonna happen. Because when you bring when you have I've talked about it many times, when you have the, the same core and the same head coach hit the same wall year in year in, year out, then when you bring in a brand new head coach and now a brand new quote unquote overseer, but let's be honest, he's he's now the GM over Elton Brand. When you bring in a brand new head coach and GM things are going to look different. This team is going to look different. You're not paying a guy $60 million to not be the final not, decision maker. And to, and to make little moves. Like, that Daryl Morey isn't a little moves guy. I mean, he made two huge trades and huge moves 
in, in damn near back-to-back seasons, what, three years apart, getting Chris Paul and then getting Russell Westbrook. So, like, I'm, I'm not shocked at all. To and see I remember him. James Harden. He did the Harden trade. And did the Harden trade, too. Yeah. So, like, Daryl Morey is all doing right. something in Philadelphia. The team is... Let's, the team is not end it. Let's end it on this. Is... Do you think James Harden is will be in a Sixers jersey next year? No. No. Yeah, neither do I. But, neither do I. I like the, but it's I, fun to talk about. Fun to talk about. It's the importance of wrapping everyone's mind around like a, a possible trade of one of your biggest stars is like it's very possible. It's not yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, moving forward, we've had a pair of linebacker trades in the NFL. First, Avery Williamson was traded to the Steelers. Obviously, Devin Bush just went down with an ACL injury out for the year. And you can't really replace a really good player like that. But Avery Williamson's probably your best shot. I mean, he's an 100 tackle per year guy. He gets sacks, tackles for losses. And he's missed one game in his entire career, which is crazy. So the Steelers defense just got pretty scary for the AFC. And then you also have Quan Alexander got traded to the Saints in exchange for Kiko Alonso in a fifth round pick. This is huge for the Saints defense. It seems like they need a little help. And I think pairing him and uh, the Mario Davis just might be enough. Also, another linebacker news, Vic Peasley got cut. No one cared. Did we? Didn't we just talk about this? Like, no, one, no one cares about that. <laughs> well, a Clemson guy. Feel bad okay. for him. Should have won a I, Super Bowl I, in Atlanta. I think. I think but that like really good four years ago. I think that uh, Avery Williamson is going to be insane for the Steelers. We already talked about their if defense. If the Steelers look at a defender and say he's good, they're good. I'm going to say, good. yeah, they're good. And, yeah. and he is good. This isn't yeah. like you're taking a shot on a guy. This is a dude that's been in the league five, six years now has missed one game and has 100 tackles like three out of the five seasons. I, mean, I think he's my good. Buccaneers fandom is coming forward a little bit because the Quan Alexander trade is the one that I'm focusing on. Not only is he going into my division, but the Bucs drafted Quan Alexander. And before there was Devin White and Levante David, there was Quan Alexander and Levante David. I mean, he that that's where he had his breakout season two years ago with the Buccaneers and then, you know, didn't re-sign and went to the 49ers and, you know, got laden with a little bit of injuries. But that last season with the Buccaneers was tremendous. I mean, he was breaking out onto the scene. He's such a fast and athletic linebacker. And you talked about it, Kyle. Like the Saints need a little bit of help at linebacker core. But you put him with an all-pro like Demario Davis, that instantly, instantly to me is one of the best linebacker duos in the league. And of yeah. course, it's, of course, it's you know to my division rival. Of course, that's it like is. a that's like a playoff move for me, where you'll yeah. forget about some defender got traded, and then he'll come up with like two sacks or like a pick and like that's what that Quan Alexander move is to me like the Saints really just got really good for the playoffs they got their run stopper linebacker and Demario Davis now they got their their dual hybrid you know you know pass rusher and cover guy and Quan Alexander it's a great move for him. yeah I think it's a great move well so that's all for this past week in sports but let's take a look forward so we have Clemson versus Notre Dame with no Trevor Lawrence for Clemson which is going to be 7 30 on Saturday and we're also going to get our first look at Antonio Brown this Sunday night against the Saints and the Panthers say they're hopeful that Christian McCaffrey will play this weekend, so we might see the NFL's best running back back in action. Lot, lot to look forward to, Matt. How you feel? Because that's that was your guy at the forefront of the. We deserve to play. We'll stay safe. It'll be all right. This is the second week in a row he out, and it's this big one. It's number four. It's a. It's definitely a big one. It's a tough look. It ruins his Heisman v- hopes. Uh, it's like a yeah, little, done. like a little curse, like for Clemson. Like all two weeks, can't miss two weeks in the season. Yeah, like they'll be a great. They'll like win titles, but never have a Heisman. Like best quarterback in college football every year, but never have a Heisman. I'll take that curse. <laughs> um, 
And I liked what DJ, how he played against Boston College. And it was Boston College, but he, I think he did a good job. Um, and I, I just trust this Clemson team to win. Yeah. The only time they lost, they've lost one game since 2018. And the only team they lost to was an absolutely historically great LSU team. Right. And I know it's a road game against Notre Dame, but I trust the infrastructure of Clemson enough to to, to keep it in there and win the game. And yeah. Travis Etienne is really good. You I think talk about Trevor Lawrence's Heisman going down. This is, I mean, you might just insert Travis Etienne into it. Travis Etienne's having a great year. I, I mean, I know Najee Harris for the running back committee is probably still having the best year and probably might get the Heisman vote. And I, rare do you see two running backs in the, in the Heisman finalists, but this is the, this is a kind of a statement game for Travis Etienne. If they win, it's probably going to be on the back of what he does on the offensive end. Yeah, I, th- I think you guys win this game. I think Notre Dame is a fake four seed. All they can do is run the ball and Clemson's going to destroy that. I mean, you guys are fine. I think the Boston College game, that first half was a little concerning. But everything went Boston College's way. I mean, ETN fumbles on the one. They get a 99-yard return touchdown, right? And yeah. then they get a, a like 30-yard passing touchdown that bounces off like a yeah. dude's knee. He drops it, bounces off of someone else, and he catches it again. And then he and just the comes in the second off, half. defense completely shut down Boston College yeah. the entire second half. Yeah, I and think you guys are fine. I think it's a, I think it's a three-team year in college football, and then every, there's a big drop-off. I think Clemson, Bama and Ohio State are like clearly the upper echelon and then everyone else just seems like the they'll compete for the scraps mm-hmm. I agree with you there alright well that's all I got so let's move into the countdown number six number of syllables in Clem- fresh, true freshman five star recruit Clemson quarterback who's starting this Sunday against Notre Dame DJ Uyagalele uh, great okay. Game. And it, I used to think it was Ugalele, which is objectively more fun to say, but I'm fine with Uyag. How He got three syllables in the first three letters of his last name. Uyag. <laughs> no different. Um, no different. I mean, right, look, number... where he might be a household name after Saturday. He goes on the road and beats Notre Dame. I bet everyone's going to be able to know how to say no, that. They'll be calling him DJ, not Uyagalele. Yeah, He'll be a. <laughs> His, his forever football name is DJ. Like that's announcers too. We'll just call him DJ. It's like Tua. Like exactly. You just call him Tua, We're and that's easier to say. To yeah. All right, number five. The amount of fumbles Ezekiel Elliott has this year more than double any other running back in the league besides Melvin Gordon, who has three. I mean, we could, we can go down a long list of what's wrong with the Cowboys this year, but at the top of that, wherever it want to be, one, two, or three, it's got to be how lackluster Zeke has been after the holdout. After getting paid, he was the one they decided to pay over Dak Prescott, and it just looks like there's a whole lot of regret coming on the, uh, uh, you know, on the on the side of Jerry Jones. Thank you, Cowboys, for deciding to pay a running back when running backs never deserve the money they get. I had to throw this in here because it might be the last thing we say about the NFC East this entire year. It might be. So, it might let's be. move forward. Number four. The number of running backs the San Francisco 49ers have started this season. That's Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Tevin Coleman. And they're slated to start their fifth running back of the season. Jamaycall Hasty tomorrow night against the Packers. The 49ers have had uh, an incredibly unlucky amount of injuries this year. Yep. From Garoppolo getting hurt twice, Bosa being out, Mostert, and all the running back injuries. So. Kittle's out for and the now year now. Kittle's yeah. out. 
And I have to start Jermichael Hasty in fantasy tomorrow, which I don't know if I'm happy about because he could be all right. But I, mean, I got. They're also dealing with a backup quarterback who's starting, so he might get a lot of yeah. touches. I he was up I, for the year. I thought he was up for like six weeks. It's eight weeks. Eight Kittle weeks. Eight weeks. Yeah. Effectively, is probably gonna is probably gonna end their season. But yeah, I got three running backs on by and Miles Gaskin out. So Jermichael Hasty, get it done for me. Get it done. Let's go. Number three. Number three, the number of points Notre Dame scored in the college football playoff game against Clemson two years ago. A lot of Notre Dame, Cle- someone's excited for Notre Dame Clemson, Clemson, huh? Because a lot of Notre Dame Clemson stuff, but that's the last time these two teams faced off. And I mean, it was it was a really good game last time. For Clemson, oh, for sure. For uh, Clemson. They also, the time they played before that in this kind of Brian Kelly Dabba run is in 2015, they played a game like in a hurricane that was decided by a two point conversion. It was a really exciting game. Um, and I just like to remind people, Clemson blew out Notre Dame, but then they beat Bama by a bigger margin the next game. Yeah, oh, ooh, I love Clemson. Yeah, we get I it. Clemson, yeah, we get it. All right, number two. The number of NFL seasons in the last 30 years with single-digit punt return touchdowns. We got our first of this entire season in week eight. That's interesting. I, didn't, I, I literally didn't even know that. I've, yeah, I've, and the, the two seasons are the past two seasons. But you have to go all the way back to like 1990 or 1991 to get a season where there wasn't double-digit punt return touchdowns. Is that That's because the teams are better? Or is this because they're not getting much? I, I, I think maybe they've been getting better. And we've 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 got lucky enough through the 2000s to have a guy like Devin Hester. And then Patrick Peterson was returning a lot of punts. And then maybe we're just finding it Scrolls, now. But, too. Scrolls is a really yeah, good punt returner. Harvin. Like, we've had a lot of great punt returners. Cordell Patterson's still in the Cordell, league. Cordell, I mean, Cordell Patterson. Patterson. Antonio it, Brown, like going crazy. back, who's the guy on the Chiefs? Who was really good? Oh, Dante oh. Hall. Yeah, yeah, Dante, Dante Hall. Hall. Yeah, it's just really surprising to me that we just got our first one this past week. That first, right. it's funny because if you didn't say that, I literally never would have known. Yeah. All right, number one. Number one, it's really unfortunate if if Wisconsin has one more game canceled due to COVID, they will not be eligible for the Big Ten championship game. Like to me, it, it's less disappointing about the Wisconsin factor and more the fact that we're, we're still I mean COVID cases are still coming in and college teams are shutting down we're seeing some of the best stars in college football not able to play NFL teams are still shutting down their facilities like we're, we're at some point we gotta realize we're the only country that's still being like really affected by COVID like it's just us at this point it's 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 so critically important that we still do social distancing and wear masks and diligently wash our hands because cases keep getting going up. We had like right. the highest case number like a couple days ago. Oh, 99,000 really... two days ago. Two days ago, 99,000 new cases in one day. It's the highest single day total of this entire pandemic. And Matt, I agree. We, it's still very important to social distance. Still very important to wear your mask. Still very important to wash your hands. It's also still very important that if you want to play, you probably should bubble up and not have and not have teams going in and out of airports. Interacting with a bunch of people they've never interacted with, especially college students. Like that, like and we talked about it, you know, right before the college football season started. When I heard that it was the, the movement and the petition of the players to play, I understood that it was going to be very hard just to give up a season. But if you can't do it right, like then, like what? What's the point? Like what is the point? And we're, I mean, we're seeing the worst effects of it right now. I, I completely believe that. Um, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. We can get some shots about the buzzer. Matt, got anything to say at the buzzer? I just like to say, reaching out to people that 
have similar struggles with you and helping them is incredibly fulfilling. Um, I've struggled with anxiety. I went to a program to help me with it. And uh, my therapist referred to me of another kid who's went through a similar thing that I went through a couple months ago. And it's been, it's been very empowering to like use what I've learned to help him through a similar situation. And it's, it's helping people's cool. Mm -hmm. I love, I love the way you ended that. Help people is cool. Especially in times like these, man, like I've learned that it, you know, you can be the, the, the strongest person mentally and outside circumstances can still affect you and still hurt you. Like this pandemic is getting to a lot of people, me being me included, like, I, you know, hasn't been the greatest year for me. Um, so I, that was really important. I'm, I'm so glad to share that, man. I'm glad you, you were able to find a program to help you and you're paying that forward, you know, to help people along the way. Is, it's awesome. Helping people is 100% cool. Um, Kyle, got anything to say at the buzzer? Yeah, I just want to say, Matt, that was great. But um, my at the buzzer is obviously we have the election going on. Um, no matter which way it goes, I know it's leaning more one side right now. Not going to get into the actual politics of it, but just be safe. Something's going to happen. Something is going to pop off. I don't know what it is, but just be safe out there. I like, I don't even, I can't even begin to think what's going to happen. I know there's going to be riots. There's going to be something going on. And yeah. just, I, I don't want to speculate on to, on to what's going to happen. I do live in Philadelphia. So, I, you know, among the, the people who need to stay safe, I'm at the top 1% of, you know, the, the population that needs to stay, stay, stay safe in the country. So, you know, I don't want to like project anything forward, but exactly right, man. I, I can see it either way it goes. There's gonna be a group of people that's not happy, or a group of people that's overly happy. So, yeah, you can you can feel it building up as well. Something's mm-hmm. happening. Hundred percent. I'm gonna stay on the theme of the election, and you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person who got a, a shit ton of texts that one, we're asking who you're gonna vote for, but two, asking to be a poll worker and, and to help it. And like I, when I was at the polls yesterday, I just saw an outpouring of amount of people that were there trying to make it a positive experience for everyone, trying to help as much as possible, and. Look, I, I, I saw a long line. I, I got to the polls really early. I was like the fourth person to get in at my polling place. But when I left, I saw a long line around the block. And one of those was my roommate. And I'm looking at my roommate in the back of the line. I'm like, man, I'm not going to see him for hours. And then like an hour and a half later, I get out of the shower at home. And there he is. You know, it went, casted his vote and was able to get home, you know, within an hour and a half, two hours. So that just shows that there were a lot of people, you know, out everywhere yesterday, you know, just helping and and. Like you said, Matt, like helping a school, making making voting such a positive experience. I hate that it took this long to for such a fundamental thing like voting and choosing who leads your country to get everyone to go out and do it. But I, I'm just so thankful and appreciative for the amount of people that lent their time and energy, most of which were volunteers. It's, it's looking like work. it's going to be the highest uh, turnout ever in american history if you look at and that. i hope it's just not this like i get this was such an important uh you know important election in american history but i hope that in 2024 2028 like i hope that we're still Shout getting out midterms you know, too okay good voting midterms too we're uh, voting every election but we'll leave it there that's all the time we have for this episode of straight facts big ups to my guy stat matt robinson a residential statistician and my guy kyle syrup out in pittsburgh but for the whole straight facts crew i am james jackson These have been the facts. Straight up.